0: Folks, today we get a chance to talk to uh, men, uh, grandfathers in many cases, who I think have uh, one of the most heart-wrenching jobs there is, and that is providing the uh, the overall management of their homes if they're if they're married and have a family, and to provide a strong commitment with their spouse if they're married, to the vision of the family. And there's a lot on a dad these days. The culture is kind of chop-blocking dads uh, and minimizing their role, marginalizing them. And I think being a dad is, is only comparable to the kind of leadership uh, that you see in Scripture That was exhibited by Jesus, and that is a a servant leader who lays down his life for his bride and for his family. And this morning, I want to talk to dads. I want to talk to dads who, like me, enjoy being with their kids, their grandkids, their, uh, their loved ones, their wife more than anyone else. Uh, love just having time with my kids. Often I'll ask my kids, hey, you guys want to go on a walk around the block or you want to go to Raley's? And often they'll say no. And I I just take it and ask again later. I don't always get to be with them when I want. Um, but uh, love, I've loved being a dad. It's been my number one treasure, I think. Uh, and yet there have been times where it's been challenging. There have been times where I... I I've watched my kids maybe make decisions or go down a pathway uh, that that I was concerned about. There have been times where I felt like I've I've lost influence. Times where I felt like I was not in control. Times where I felt like I had to own their decisions. They made decisions where man I felt like that's that's because I was negligent. And times where I felt like wow we've we maybe we maybe we maybe gotten off track of a family dream. And, and sometimes there have been moments where they, it's just been heart-wrenching. I'll bet a lot of you dads can relate to that. Times you've, uh, you've, you've felt like you've lost influence. Times where you felt like y- you couldn't control what was going on uh, in your home. You couldn't control the direction your children were going, even that were moving out of the home. You, you felt like you had to own up to some of their decisions. Like, those were, th- that's your bad. That's one of the hardest. Hardest family dream buster is this temptation to feel like you've got to own the decisions your kids are making instead of letting them own their own. We'll talk about that today. And then finally, the other family dream buster can be this idea that wow, our family dream, it's, it's been left behind, we're having to go down a different path than we ever imagined. And today I'm here to tell you, dads, that Jesus brings hope to dads like me who are imperfect dads. Jesus brings hope to imperfect dads. And the question I want to answer today, I want to ask in the very way I wrote it how do imperfect dads experience God's dream for their family? How do imperfect dads experience God's dream for their family? Because we go through seasons where we, we feel like our kids are making decisions that, oh, my word, it, totally contrary to what we wanted. We feel uh, like we are losing influence. I know sometimes I've had conversation with my sons, and they're, they're quoting Will Smith. Well, Dad, okay, Will Smith said this, or LeBron James said this, or okay, or they'll quote another pastor. That really hurts. So this pastor said this. I'm like, wow, wow. I feel like I'm losing influence. These can be dream-busting, dream-busting issues. And yet, Jesus brings hope to dads who want to believe that he has a dream for their family that they've never even imagined. And if you're here today and you're like, hey, I've got a great dad. I'm not enjoying family like you're going to talk about today but I want to, I want you to listen here today. I think you're gonna have a chance to be inspired. I had some uh, s- some single moms come up to me today and say, hey, that spoke to me today. Even though I'm not a dad, that spoke to me. I need to, I need to let my kids own their own decisions. I heard that today. Maybe that will be your word of encouragement today. I'm gonna to be in a passage that has had tremendous influence on Western literature. British lit, English lit, it's one you should be familiar with. If you're not, it's a great chance today. We're going to be in a work written by one of, one of Paul's co-workers, Luke, Dr. Luke, the physician. And I'm going to be reading a story called the prodigal uh, son story. And you're going to have a chance to learn the kind of hope Jesus gives imperfect dads who want to, again, dream God's dream for their family. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to start reading in verse 11. Here it is. Jesus continued, he said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Before I continue, if any of you came this morning without a Bible, raise your hand, we'll get you one so you can follow. It's on page 730 in our Adventure Bibles. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off on a distant, for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, he, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the, to the citizen of that country who sent him. Uh, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. How much did people give him? They didn't give him anything, nothing. When he came to his senses, what happened? He came to his... Don't we all need to come to our senses? He said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. What did his father do to his son? He ran to his son, like God runs to you. Threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then his son said to him, what he'd already pre-scripted, pre-written... Father, say it with me if you can. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Say that one more time with me. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat... Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. This is the son that got 60% of the inheritance. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. I mean, it's the only time in, in literature written or spoken by Jesus where we get this kind of presentation of what it means to be a dad. This is just an amazing tapestry of what it means to be a dad. The incredible challenge. And as I mentioned, there are dream busters dad face. Dream busters that can, uh, that can threaten the family dream. And the first is this idea is that we have lost control of our kids. They're, they're going a different direction than we imagined. Can you imagine what it must have been like for this father to be approached by his son who, uh, who requested that he receive, it looks premature, His share of the inheritance. He was the younger son, and according to Hebrew traditions or Hebrew uh, culture, he was uh, a beneficiary of 30% of the inheritance, or a little bit more. It's called the law of primogeniture, which means that the first son uh, is eligible for 60% of the inheritance, and then the second, uh, the younger brother, would be eligible for the remaining 30-plus percent. And perhaps that's why the younger brother struggled with his returning uh, younger brother because his dad's assets have evidently continued to grow. Maybe he was afraid, boy, is my brother going to get another cut? Is he going to pull another one on dad? Younger, other, younger brothers can be pretty competitive like that. This this dad had to deal with his son leaving, losing control of his son, losing control of his son. There's, there's nothing more difficult, I think, than when... It feels like they're going a different direction. This dad had to go through that. This is the example Jesus gives of a dad and what he is experiencing. How do you deal with it when your kids go a direction that you didn't plan? It wasn't in your heart that they would go that direction. I had a chance to have a conversation with a Heritage Park couple last May. And talk about this very issue. How do you deal with it when your kids go a totally different direction? Susan Gustafson gave me permission to share this story. She and her husband live in Heritage Park. And we were talking about missionaries and books we'd been reading. And she said, you know, my son-in-law and daughter are missionaries in uh, Tanzania, Africa. And I said, really? Did you have any idea that this was the trajectory of their life? And she said, no. She said, "As a matter of fact, it started very with great difficulty. My my daughter was studying to be an, a nurse. She was dating a pre med doctor, and uh, they started making decisions that were contrary to everything that my husband and I had trained them in. They started going a different direction than we had prayerfully prepared them to go, and it wrecked me." Susan said, "She's in her probably she's in her golden years." And she just shared at this meal, it wrecked me. She started getting teary-eyed. And she said that uh, she just had to pray and pray and pray that God would do something. And she had to do what this, what this father of his prodigal son had to do. She had to trust God. Imperfect dads, they're going to trust God when their kids go a direction that they never imagined. And she trusted God. Years later, her son-in-law was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in the Zimbabwe area. Her son-in-law had become a very prominent doctor in the north uh, San Joaquin Valley area. Um, A specialist who was accumulating assets and property, having a very successful career in medicine. He was climbing Kilimanjaro, and his life was threatened by a a blood issue uh, while, while ascending Kilimanjaro it was he was so fragile he required that his team actually carry him over the summit of Kilimanjaro and then back down the the other way and he being a medical doctor knew that his life was hanging in the balance and Mrs. Gustafson said he prayed a prayer he said God if you can get me through this I will devote myself to these people And I asked Mrs. Gustafson, I said, was there ever any sign that your daughter and and son-in-law were headed this direction? She said, yes. She said, it only happened once. But she said, when my son-in-law was in medical school, and my daughter uh, and he were uh, preparing for their future, he said that uh, she, I'm sorry, this is so distracting. I don't mean to, right in the middle of the story. I'm an imperfect dad but uh, while while they were going to school together, mom is at home praying one afternoon, and she has a vision, a strange vision. She has a vision that her daughter is surrounded by Africans. There was no precedent for that. Her daughter hadn't made any short-term mission trip. No precedent for it. It was a vision. She said it only happened once, and she just didn't get it. And years later, Even to this day, her son, in-law, and daughter serve in Tanzania as the chief operators of a medical mission work that is called Fame that is making a huge impact. Folks, Jesus brings hope to imperfect dads that God has a dream for their family, a dream that he controls, a dream that he oversees, we can have great hope that when we trust God, when we trust God, he can do amazing things in the lives of our kids. There's something else that this prodigal dad does that I think is implied. Jesus doesn't say he's doing it, but I think it's implied. In the narrative, you see the son returns home, and the dad is in a place, in a position on his, at his residence, on his field, where he can see that his son's coming home. He runs to him. He kisses him. It's, it's a day, I would argue, he's been praying about for months, if not years. Dads, I think one of the things we fear the most is losing influence. Losing the, be able to, the, the opportunity to say a word that would encourage our kids. And I think there's great hope. That when we, when imperfect dads pray, we release the spirit's influence in the lives of our kids, and they come to their senses. The same spirit that that uh, that helped me come to my senses when I was a young college student down in Southern California is the same spirit that helps all of us come to our senses when we need to. And when we are afraid that we've lost influence, we've got to remember the most influential voice in the lives of our kids is the guiding, teaching, truth-telling voice of the Holy Spirit in the life of our kids. When we pray for our kids, for our grandkids, we are, we are asking God to release his spirit of self-control and love and patience, and gentleness, and kindness into the lives of our kids, so that they will be coached by him, and they'll come to their senses. There is great hope when we pray for our kids. There's great hope for imperfect dads like me, for God to continue to do something in the lives of our kids, and for my influence to actually be elevated. Maybe your challenge is to pray. What do you do when you feel like you're losing influence in your home or your kids are out of control? Have you tried this? Yell. Yeah. Oh, if that doesn't try, you just yell louder. And if that that influence isn't working, if you're still feeling like your kids are out of control, then you confront, take away, strip of all property, make life miserable for you and them. We all have different parenting angles. What scares me the most, and I'm not kidding when I say this, is maybe saying a word or something to my kids that they'll never forget. <sighs> I don't want to do that. And to be honest, I don't trust myself. I, I, could, I could say something that I shouldn't say. My, my wife's actually told me that I, I can do that. I don't, I don't want to do that with her. I don't want to do that with my kids. I want to rely on trusting God with my kids when I feel like they're out of control. I want to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to influence my kids when I feel like I've lost all influence. How do you, how do you gain influence? I hope that today you'll say, you know what? I need to start praying for my kids more. I need to make a commitment that every day when I pray, there will be a, a sentence, a whisper or two that will be on behalf of my kids every day. Who's praying for your kids? Because there's a lot of people praying on your kids. Who's praying for them? Prayer is the most, most powerful discipline we can exercise for our kids. I went in last night to pray with one of my sons. I don't do it all the time. I'm not trying to, but I just felt I needed to pray with him. It's, to me, one of the most exhausting things to do, to walk into a bedroom. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. They see it on your face. They know. Oh, gosh. They're not like, Dad's here to pray with me. Awesome. No, they, they see it. And I come in and just say, hey, how's it going? Good. Everything going well? Yeah. Uh, how you doing in this and this and this? Pretty good. Really. Give me some, give me some numbers. Okay, all right. Hey, you mind if I have a little prayer with you? Sure. To me, that moment takes a lot of energy. Maybe you're just more gifted at it. Praying for my kids is one one of the most challenging things, yet honorable things that we get to do. Praying with them, praying for them. What do you do when you lose control? You lose influence. I hope you're praying. I hope you're trusting in God more. And how do you pray for your kids? What do you say? Hey, there's a couple ways. One, you just say what's on your heart. You just, you just take what's here and you say, Lord. Jesus was very clear. Our words don't have to be King's new King James. Just say what's on your heart. And the other way is to actually quote scripture. An appropriate prayer for kids or young people you're mentoring or want to influence is a prayer like this. God, help him come to his senses God, help her come to her senses. You just quote scripture or this. Lord, help him be honest with, with you about his sins. Help, help her make a decision that she sinned against you, that she sinned against me. Help her own that. Help him own that. Just quote scripture. Thirdly, how do we imperfect dads experience Jesus' hope? I think this is the toughest one and the most freeing if you can do it is imperfect dads long for the day where they'll have shared ownership with their kids. Shared ownership. When I say ownership, I mean what adults have to practice if they're maturing. you got to own that. you got to own your decisions. You have to own that you're where you are in your life now because of the consequences or results of negative or positive decisions you've made. you got to own it. You ever say that term at the office? Hey, you got to own that. You got to own that. Don't, don't 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 put that here. That you, you, that's there. You got to own that. When our kids make decisions that are less than what's best for them, we have to have the maturity to say, "You know what? I've owned my shortcomings." Kids should know that. They should know that you have a humility about you that you're willing to confess your own shortcomings. It's important that moms and dads are accountable to the same standards that their kids are being held to. And if you don't think so, your kids will let you know that you're not keeping the same standard. They're pretty good at remembering that. But moms and dads, and dads especially here, we got to let our kids own their own decisions. It's theirs. That's their decision. You might think this is just pop psychology. If you have your Bible, open it to Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1, 2, and verse 20. And what you will see there is Ezekiel's providing clarity that the sins of a father are not the responsibility of a son, nor are the sins of a son the responsibility of a father. A father and a son are both the Lord's. Our children are the Lord's. And they are all individually accountable for their decisions in life. And I think the day that this father was looking forward to was the day that his son came home, owned his own decision, along with a father who had already owned his own decisions. And a son owned their own decisions. They get closer because they both identify Jesus as the one with his substitutionary death that paid the price for all of their self-absorbed decisions. When there's shared ownership, there's shared devotion, there's shared worship, there's shared fellowship, it gets awesome. I've got some of my sons here today, I think just one that I see, It is so fun, two of them, it is so fun to grow in the Lord together. Because we're both mutually submissive to Him. Dad messes up, son messes up more, and, just kidding, totally kidding. And we both have a mutual worship of the Lord Jesus. And we can share Scripture together. 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 We can enjoy life together. We can enjoy uh, a a new wife together. My daughter-in-law is here this morning. It is such a joy because of our mutual love for the Lord. We have shared ownership, finally. I I need to ask you, dads, are you hanging on to what you could have done, what you should have done better, how you should have been more of a tiger dad at home and been less pleasant to live with, to protect your kids more, or are you willing to say, you know what, I need to let my daughter own that. That's her decision. And I can't wait for the day when she comes to her senses and she says, I'm going home to dad. Not just her earthly dad, but her heavenly dad. Going home to your heavenly dad is as simple as saying, Dad, I've sinned against you. I own that. That's it. I've sinned against you. I own that. I own that. Maybe that's a prayer you've never prayed. You've never made a decision to become a Christ follower. Maybe it's a prayer you pray today. Dads, what do you do when you feel that guilt? You let your kids own that. That's how you deal with it. You believe the scriptures that say, hey, that's on them. That's not you. You got stuff to deal with, but that's not, that's not their responsibility. That's yours. Finally, Jesus brings hope to imperfect dads that, that God has a dream for their family. Here, this son comes home. Dad has been saving and anticipating this day. He knew his son would come home someday. He'd been praying about it. He, he knew that the Holy Spirit was going to work in the life of his son. He looked forward to a maturity from his son they could celebrate. And he knew God has a future for my son and a future for my family. And he waited, and his son came home, and he celebrated. He butchered the fatted calf. He took out his American Express card black and gave it to his son. That's what a ring is symbolic of. Uh, he was generous. He gave his son the best robe, the best outfit, a new tux. We're going to party. And interestingly, his, his brother comes along, opposed to the whole idea. Oh, older brother's home. Isn't that special? I bet he wants more of the inheritance, another cut. And dad says something to the older brother that I think one or two of you may need to hear. Dad says, Hey. I've always been with you. All I have has been yours. Here's a son who's had immediate access to his dad and yet failed to recognize what an opportunity it is. Dads, I think there's a challenge here. God has a dream for your family. Are you aware of the incredible opportunity through the Holy Spirit you have of connecting with your heavenly father and letting him fuel and fill and replenish you and provide for you and challenge you. Are you looking to him for that prayerful guide? Folks, today I want to give dads hope for the future. I hope that you've found hope through this prodigal dad. I hope that this story about the uh, the Frank and Susan Artest um slip-ups early in their life that led to great opportunities in the future, I hope that they've given you hope for God's dream for your family. Can you imagine what you would be like if you really started trusting God with your kids? Can you imagine what peace you would have if you started praying more about the Holy Spirit's influence in the life of your kids instead of worrying about all the other influences in the life of your kids? Pray more, talk less. Pray more, talk less. Can you imagine what kind of parent or grandparent you would be if you stopped owning the sins of others and just owned your own? I think I have enough of my own to worry about. Don't you think you have enough to worry about? Don't own other sins. And then finally, how would life change if you started believing God has a dream I haven't dreamed for my family? Here's four things I think your dads need to hear from you today. Four things. If for non, this is for non-dads. If you're, uh, if, if, if you're close to a dad today, I think there's four things they need to hear. Dad, thanks for trusting God. I know I gave you lots of opportunity. <laughs> Secondly, I think they need to hear, Dad or honey, if you're talking to your spouse, thank you for praying. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for the kids. Thirdly, I think your dads need to hear Thank you for letting me own my own sin and being humble about your own sin because we all want to, we all need to own it, don't we? Finally, dad, thanks for having a dream for our family and a dream for me. You tell them thank you. Words, honestly, today, I'd like a little salmon. Maybe a little hang time. My, my needs are very low. I want to be with my kids. Maybe try to wrestle one of them, If I, the other three in another room. Just chill. But honestly, words, maybe a hug, means the world to me. Dads, we love you. I think you got the greatest job in the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for the women and the, the young people, the grandparents that all support them. Help them continue to be... Um, Pursuing your dream for their family. If you're here today and you have never made a decision to make Jesus the one you trust to bring hope to your family, you've never become a Christ follower, a Christian, I challenge you to pray this prayer right here now God, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against others. I'm unworthy. But I accept your forgiveness shown on the cross. Here's the prayer. Pray it with me if you've never become a Christian and want to. God, I have sinned against you and others. I am unworthy to be even considered a Christian by you. But because of what Christ did on the cross today, I want to follow him and accept his forgiveness. If you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to acknowledge your decision I want to ask you to be bold and with every eye closed and head bowed, would you just raise your hand and let me celebrate your decision? Anyone? Pray that prayer with me to become a Christian for the first time. Praise the Lord. I saw one hand. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, praise the Lord. Three folks. Anybody else? I'll give you a chance to. Okay, let's pray then. Heavenly Father, I pray your spirit of peace and love and joy would be poured out into the young people who've said, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against others, that they would experience the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Craig? My dad is 86, or will be 86 years old in just a couple of weeks. We went to see him a little early for Father's Day a week ago, and it was fun to get to hang out with him. Uh, I have a brother who is 12 years older than me. And